Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC, a sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. This sermon for Sunday, July 18th, 2021, is entitled, Learn to Rest, Not to Quit. It's a reflection on a reading from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 34 and 53 through 56. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to learn more about our open and affirming ministry at the Congregational Church of Needham, simply head over to our website www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Our scripture reading today comes from the New Testament, from the Gospels, from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 34 and 53 through 56. Let's listen together for a living word from God for us in these words from the gospel according to Mark. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Afterward, when they had crossed over the Sea of Galilee, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in their marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even just the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Friends, God is still speaking to the world and to us. May our hearts be open to listen and to respond. Amen. So I flirted with titling this sermon, What I Did on My Summer Vacation. It's a familiar enough topic for many of us from old school days. And what I did on my summer vacation was wonderful, even remarkable. My partner David and I rented a cabin near Acadia National Park on Mount Desert Island in Maine, one of my absolute favorite spots in the entire world, a place with mountains, albeit rather small ones, accessible sized mountains, and deep forests and beautiful trails and sandy beaches and rocky beaches and beautiful ocean waters, and most importantly, my favorite ice cream shop in the entire world with two locations open to serve you in Bar Harbor, Maine. When I think about this week away, I am filled with gratitude. I am 
grateful to this congregation for allowing and even encouraging me to go away. I'm grateful and thankful to myself for actually doing that. I'm grateful for having the privilege of being able to do that. Permission from my employer and the necessary funds. Because even with the cool and rainy weather, the time away was so deeply relaxing. Over our short seven days there, David and I did three jigsaw puzzles. We played two different board games. We read innumerable books. We took several hikes. And I did lots and lots of knitting. And a whole lot more of kind of nothing at all. Literally sitting in the sun or the shade and catching my breath. A time to rest and recharge. I thank God because after the last 17 months of this pandemic, we have been enduring it. I needed it. I am not ashamed to say that. I needed that time away. And my partner, David, and I needed that time away because as counterintuitive as it seems, after 17 months of being together almost constantly, both of us working from home, one upstairs and one downstairs with the dogs going back and forth in between, we simply needed that time to be together. We all need that in this moment. It is almost impossible to overstate the stress and anxiety and trauma we have endured, that we are continuing to endure, even if, God willing, we have been spared the ravages of the actual disease in our own lives or in the lives of those we hold most dear. There is almost no way to overstate the disruptions to our work life, our family life, our relationships, our education, our leisure, our rituals of caring for one another, for the sick, and for mourning the dead. And yes, our life together as church. Those disruptions have been and continue to be all too real. Now, we may, in our long-ingrained Protestant humility, want to shy away from the word trauma, but you know what? That emotional volatility you're feeling, that hair-trigger anxiety and irritability, that constant droning depression, that understandable but irrational desire to get back to normal when things are far from normal here in the opening days of the fourth wave of the pandemic. That inability even to remember exactly what day of the week it is that we joke about on our Zoom meetings, all of those are signs of trauma. And that's just not me saying it. That's so many mental health professionals around the country and around the world. We all need time off, time away, time to rest and to begin to heal. 
Not that given all of that, it still wasn't a challenge to let go and simply go. First, of course, I had to find the time, had to work my schedule, had to figure out when my leaving would cause the least disruption to the church and to my colleagues and to the rest of my life. I had to line up who was going to cover my pastoral and preaching and administrative duties while I, am, while I was away. I had to set up all of my away messages and my email forwarding, or rather stop my email forwarding. We had to find a place to stay, no mean feat in this time of staycations and stay close to homecations. We had to hire someone to babysit, to dog sit our two large and gregarious dogs. We had to clean our house before we left, of course. That much is ingrained in me by my mother. You never want to come home to a dirty house. We had to pack and then drive, and then unpack once we got there, and then all in reverse, pack again and drive again, and unpack again once we got all the way home. Not to mention the spiritual work of actually trying to be still, dang it, and not look at my phone, even with the spotty cell service on our part of the island. How many times have I heard someone say, you know, it's almost not worth it. It's almost more work to take vacation than just to keep on keeping on. How many times have I said that? Only half joking or even less. Of course, that is a false proposition. But it's also sadly familiar. In our nation. In this late-stage capitalist culture in which it seems we all live and move and have whatever little bit of our being we manage to hold on to, we are encouraging a near-idolatry of busyness, of productivity. What's one of the first things that we say to one another when we greet one another online or in person? But about how busy we are, all the things we've got going on. It's sort of the way that high school students complain about cafeteria food as a way of social bonding. That's what adults do in our culture. We complain about how busy we are and then do almost nothing about it. We assume it is normal. And we are busy. In fact, in this moment, we are busier than ever. We are so busy, despite the fact that we've been told over and over again that new technologies will free us from work. They will enable us to spend more time on our family and our friends and ourselves, that we will get that time away along with our flying car and our jetpack. But somehow, even with worker productivity in this nation at an all-time high, that just hasn't materialized at least not for some 99% of us. That email, that smartphone, that Slack channel, they don't make us freer, but rather they bind us even more closely to work than ever before, before, during, and after office hours. Well, retirement, actual honest-to-God, lay it all down and leave retirement remains sadly out of reach for all it seems, but the very richest among us. In this increasingly gig and service economy, which we constantly praise for its disruptive flexibility, 
significant, if any, vacation time, health benefits, paid parental leave, even just paid sick leave, even just time to be sick are far from a given. Even with all the very necessary pandemic shutdowns and slowdowns, more people are working harder, working multiple jobs, working longer hours, earning less and less and less and resting even less. And still, there is this narrative out there pushed by some of our leaders and a lot of our media that American workers are somehow essentially lazy and will, if allowed, become addicted to unemployment benefits like they are so amazing. As if anyone in a nation where it is literally impossible for a worker earning minimum wage to afford a two-bedroom rental in any of our 50 states, as if anyone here would choose those bare-bones government benefits if their jobs paid a living wage. I'm reminded of a meme, so funny that it hurts that's been circulating lately, contrasting European and American away from the office messages. It says, in Europe, you might hear, I am away camping for the summer. Email me again in September. While in the US, you're more likely to get something like, I have left the office for two hours to undergo kidney surgery, but you can reach me on my cell phone anytime. That hit home particularly for me after my emergency gallbladder surgery during my recent trip to see family in Austin, Texas. And sadly, it is truer than not. In our much-lauded American way of life and doing business, every moment of every day, every body of everybody must be monetized. The fruits of our labors made to pay, usually made to pay someone else. And in this culture, even rest must be justified as enabling us to be more productive when we return to our desks. Which, to be clear, is not the wisdom of our faith tradition where from the beginning, literally the beginning, beginning in the book of Genesis, God rested on the seventh day of creation, not because God had earned it, but because it was good. God rested, mind you, and established Sabbath rest as not just an extra, as a perk, as something to be earned or worked for, not an optional benefit or a privilege or even just a good idea, not even just a necessity, a commandment. Before the Ten Commandments, there was this commandment. God made us to rest and made rest for us. God made us human with all our potential and all of our limitations, all of our boundaries, and blessed this humanity and gave us rest to help us remain that way, to keep us being human. In this way, rest itself is part of the abundant life, the gospel work that is God's purpose for all of us.
And as we read in our passage from the gospel, according to Mark today, even Jesus rested. As Reverend Maddie reminded us in her time with our children, even Jesus rested. Even Jesus needed to rest. I don't take with this idea that Jesus does things just because he wants to show us how to do them, not because he himself actually needs them. This sort of superhero Jesus, this God simply disguised as a human being, but the very real and very divine Jesus needed to rest. He and his disciples needed to step away from the work, even the good work, the best work of teaching about the love of God and putting that love to work and healing and casting out personal and systemic demons, the work of loving their neighbors as God commands, because God also commands that we love ourselves. And rest is one of the very best ways that we love ourselves. Even Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, wasn't indispensable, and he knew it. He knew he could not continue to pour out of an empty cup. He knew that he had to put on his own oxygen mask first before attempting to help others. As Jesus himself would later respond to Judas's disingenuous concern for the poor and needy, the poor will be with us always. There will always be people in need. In other words, we will never lack for an opportunity to do good, to care for others, but we simply cannot do that if we do not care for ourselves. They go together. The greatest commandment to love God and our neighbors and ourselves is a three-legged stool that will fall over and break down if we do not tend to all three. So Jesus rested. He gathered the disciples into a boat. And as the song says, together they booked a condo on the coast of the Sea of Galilee to get away from it all. Who are we who claim his name to deny ourselves the same gift of holy rest? And that's where In prior iterations of this sermon, I would likely have left things. Only this time, this week, as I read and meditated on this text, I noticed something that I had not noticed before. Jesus didn't actually rest. Or rather, he wasn't allowed to. Despite his plans and stated intention to get away, to follow God's commandment and honor his humanity by giving it a rest, Jesus didn't or couldn't because the people wouldn't let him. The people in need, the people in pain, the people suffering with anxiety and depression like sheep without a shepherd, the people with very real needs wouldn't let him despite the fact that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat a proper meal, that really stuck out to me in this reading this week. Didn't have time to sit down or even grab something good to feed their bodies and their souls. They were so busy working, doing admittedly very good work, even gospel work. The people, we the people wouldn't let him get away. 
We dragged him off the boat and back to work. We insisted that he tend to our wounds, our needs, our wants and desires. Now, 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 Jesus, do it now. And suddenly, I had a vision of Jesus as an essential worker in this pandemic moment. Jesus working at the grocery store or at the CVS. Jesus delivering packages for Amazon. Jesus working as a doctor or nurse or healthcare provider or public health official. Jesus as a utility worker, keeping the lights on and the water flowing. Jesus as an essential worker praised for his importance and his faithfulness and his perseverance, just like essential workers in our own time praised for all these things and yet still grossly underpaid, undervalued, and even underprotected against the ravages of the virus and the oppressive weight of continuing to work and work harder day in and day out in these traumatic times, not just out of loyalty or altruism or a sense of the greater good, but because they simply cannot afford to rest. They simply are not allowed to take time off for themselves and those dearest to them, not from any of their three jobs. Now, I'm not saying this is the only interpretation of this text, or even the best one, but it is the one that leapt out at me today. There is always a balance to strike as we seek to discern the gospel's call on our lives, not just to read about it in the past, but to put it to work in the present, to own it for ourselves in this moment. There is always a balance. And so I'm reminded of a favorite quote from the anonymous street artist, Banksy, who wrote on a wall, learn to rest, not to quit. The balance between doing and resting and resting and doing. Resting not just so that we can do and doing not just so that we can rest, but knowing that both of these things are important. And so even as I pray that you, beloved friends in this community, that you are able to take the time away, that you will Set your intention and make it a priority to take time, not just for your families, but for you as individuals. Even as I pray that you will rest as God has commanded and gifted you the opportunity to rest. But that even in this moment, that will be balanced with a sense of our own privilege to do so. And to understand that Not everyone is able to get away, even if they wanted to. Not everyone is able to enjoy this gift from God. And so when we come back from our rest, as we move back into our everyday work, but also our gospel work as followers of Jesus, that we would set that high on our priority list 
alongside answering all the emails and returning all the phone calls and catching up on all the work, that we would make it a priority for ourselves to use our rested energy for the service of those who are not able to. That we would honor those who are essential workers, all workers, the workers in ourselves and our families, the workers among our neighbors, that we would honor them and create a world where they can at last enjoy the rest that is God's intention for them as well as for us. And so friends, if you have heard the word of God preached here today, remember to give all honor and glory to our one God, creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Amen.